This is the KOTO Community Radio News for Friday, April 28th. I'm Gavin McGough. In today's headlines, May brings time for a wellness check-in. A day in the life of a miner with Finton Cole and eyes to ears with Bella Eatman. A look back, the San Miguel Rodeo rides again, and a mountain weather forecast. What does your off-season look like? For many, it's time to take it easy. Over at the Medical Center, Director of Primary Care, Dr. Sharon Grundy, sums it up as such. We tend to be a little bit slower, and the community at large tends to be working a little less and has maybe time to take care of themselves. The Med Center has long used this springtime lull to reach out to the community in what it bills as May Health Month. The event, taking place all of May, is an effort to get area residents into the Med Center for a holistic health check-in. The Health Month began as an event spanning just one weekend, but Grundy says they've expanded their offerings. So I I think it was about eight years ago we decided to kind of turn it into a more um, comprehensive evaluation that people could come in for, I, I think, an affordable price and be able to spend time with a provider, review labs, get a physical exam, get a get preventative tests like a pap smear or a breast exam, a skin check. So this is a great time that you get to spend with your provider to talk about nutrition, um, substance abuse, get your weight taken, and kind of develop a, a, a plan of healthy lifestyle. The tests and checkups Grundy refers to are all part of an annual physical exam. Most health insurance, including that received through the Affordable Care Act, covers the cost of such an exam. But, says Grundy, There's also a percentage of uh, our community that doesn't have health insurance or may have health insurance that's not through the Affordable Care Act uh, that has limitations to preventative care. So this month we offer a very discounted service for prevention uh, to all players who don't have insurance. The discounted rate means that during the month of May, a full physical exam, lab work, and even some preventative testing will cost an uninsured patient around or below $200. Grundy says the health center aims to provide exams to some 80 to 100 uninsured patients over the course of the month. Med Center nurse Jimena Rebolledo Leon adds the month-long push is part of a growing focus for the Med Center. Health equity has become a big, big goal of what the Telluride Medical Center is looking to uphold as a foundation of the medical care that we provide. Rebolledo Leon adds that hiring Cali Granita as the center's bilingual health access facilitator has allowed the Med Center to expand its reach especially into the Spanish-speaking community. Hiring her and having her just be such a trusted member in our community has absolutely increased the trust uh, from our immigrant population specifically, but I think from our patient population as a whole. So we know that our numbers last year were significantly larger than previous years, especially due to the pandemic, and we expect this year to grow even more. Grundy and Rebollero Leon agree. Despite being a bit extra busy, the month of May is an exciting time at the Med Center. It's very special. And it again, I take a lot of um, pride in being able to offer this to the community. Well, and I think this provides us with the opportunity to connect with so many of our community members that make this town go around. So it feels like a, a really special time to 
you know, show our appreciation by by providing these services and to just practice this reciprocity of we care for you and thank you for caring for us. To schedule an appointment for May Health Month, simply call the Med Center at 970-728-3848. You can't touch this. You can't touch this. Lacrosse season is in full swing, and this week, A Day in the Life of a Minor is featuring its own local athlete. KOTO's Julia Caulfield spoke with Telluride High School's Finton Cole about his final year on the team. Finton, you are on the boys' junior varsity lacrosse team again this year. How has your season been going so far? So far, we are undefeated. We are 4-0 and zero right now. We had a home game against Montrose. Well, we were 4-0 and zero in the past, but we had a home game against... Well, I don't know what the home game will be, but we had a road game against Montrose in which we won 13-1. to one. And you have got to score some goals yourself this year. Can you share what that experience was like for you? Well, that experience was that, a Montro- was that the Montrose goalie picked up the ball and he passed it to another Montrose player, but then one of our guys was there and he knocked it out. He picked it up and saw that I was open, so he passed it over to me and I chucked it in. What does it feel like when you are um, when you're on the field? Like, what is that experience like for you, being there, being part of the team, and playing lacrosse for the Telluride Miners? It feels like I'm. It feels like being part of a team. Like I enjoy being part of a team, and I feel like I'm being. I feel like I'm putting my athleticism to good use and that I feel like I am doing the team a favor by setting up the picks that that are needed to win the games. What made you want to do lacrosse opposed to any of the other sports? Well, I looked, well, I saw a lacrosse game here at Judy Long in like eighth grade and I thought that looked like fun, so I decided to sign up. What is it about lacrosse that you enjoy so much? It's about it's about the running and passing the ball and putting it in the net. You are a senior in high school this year, so this is your final season on the lacrosse team. How does that feel? Well, I'm kind of disappointed and kind of bummed that my lacrosse career is about to come to an end as soon as I graduate high school if my grades remain up. So I'll be missing lacrosse, playing lacrosse in high school as I get older and I'll always remember the good times that my team has had when I was playing for them. Well, Fintan, um, congratulations on doing so well this season, and here's to wrapping up another great lacrosse season for the Miners. Thank you. And this installment of Eyes to Ears, Telluride High School's Bella Eatman is looking inward and showcasing some work of her own. Good evening, everyone, and welcome to Eyes to Ears. 
This is going to be a different episode because I, Bella Eatman, will be describing a piece of my own art, a drawing by me, Bella Eatman. It has no name because I don't name my drawings. I didn't even expect this one to go on air. A blue frame made, made from previous ink from, uh, from the other side of the page. And sh uh, Sharpie ink is very, very unsettling to work with at times, but I was able to make do with it. I had used this, uh, this blue ink as a framing for a picture of, of an anthropomorphic bunny character that I have created. She has bl uh, blonde fur with orange, uh, orange tips at the end of her ears, as well as orange markings on the sides of her face, like sharp daggers. She has blue eyes and she wears a red hoodie. However, one thing that is peculiar not only to me, but to her, is the crown that she wears atop her head. It doesn't necessarily suit her and she doesn't seem to know why it's there. Either way, the crown, gold as it is with the amber, the ruby, and the emerald that crests it, it's in its surface, it's, it lays atop her head and she doesn't really know what to do with it. Behind her is the foliage of a, of a tree with olive colored, uh, colored leaves and lovely, lovely pink fl uh, flowers blooming in every which way. Along with what is behind that foliage is the blue sky and the bright, bright, bright yellow sun that shines just behind her, almost illuminating her from behind. This character is actually the, the, the person I use to, as, as a sort of mask for my online persona. She is, she is basically just a lot like me just more adventurous, more wild, and much more crazy than, than I could ever dream to be. The reason why she's so, why this, why this drawing is made in the first place is because it, it, was, it was a daydream I've, I've, I've been exploring recently about being crowned as queen of a, of a kingdom without even wanting the sort of power in the first place without even having the experience to need such a power. The crown doesn't fit and, and the power just it shouldn't be, it shouldn't be giving to a small 17 year old. <laughs> so it is, it is all very confusing, not only to her, but to the kingdom she surveys. But it's not like she knows who she rules over anyway, not yet. Thank you for tuning in to Eyes to Ears. Um, to this very, very different episode of Eyes to Ears. My name is Bella Eatman, and I hope you have a wonderful rest of your day. KOTO News was recently recognized by the Colorado Broadcasters Association for its excellence in news programming in 2022. This week, we're highlighting KOTO's award-winning stories from last year. Today's story was originally broadcast in August 2022 and is an audio postcard from the San Miguel Basin Rodeo.
Down beside the grandstands at the San Miguel Basin Rodeo, cowgirls competing in Saturday evening's barrel race are awaiting their turn to sprint around the ring. In a test of horse handling and athletic power, the steed and rider race in a cloverleaf pattern around four barrels set up in the arena. Coming out of her turn in the ring, Harley Zender, a cowgirl from Norwood, is unfazed by what she says was a lackluster result. It wasn't my best year, but sometimes that happens. Yeah. <laughs> it's my favorite event of the year. Everybody shows up and has a great time. They love watching the rodeo, and it's, it's fun just getting to see all your family and friends. And um, yeah, it's just a super fun event. I ask another competitor, Taylor Hildreth, the secret to a good barrel race. Ooh, I wish we all knew the answer to that. <laughs> I train barrel horses for a living and I'm still trying to figure that out. But I think the biggest thing is having one that has a lot of try and heart, wants to be a team player. Harley Zender agrees that much of the magic comes from the spirit of the horse. She's riding a speckled gray mare. My horse's name is Penny and um, she's super gritty and tough and she loves to work. Cool. So. All right, thank you so much. Back in the grandstand, the sun setting and clouds towering above the Norwood Mesa, the final event of the weekend kicks off. One of rodeo's iconic competitions, it's bull riding. The animals, weighing in at a ton apiece, rip out of the gates as cowboys hold on for life. The event is tooth biting, eight seconds of danger and suspense. In the ring right beside the bull and the cowboy, rodeo workers are face to face with the action. After the event, the cowboy protection team Edward Huffman and Devin Cisneros share what it's like to work face to face with such danger. Breathing helps big time. Adrenaline. Adrenaline's huge. I mean, it's just such an adrenaline rush. But to keep your cool while, while it's happening and you're in a situation is pretty much turn your brain off. Don't let it tell you that, that you can't. Yeah, just react. A far cry from the driven and well-groomed mares of the barrel race, the bulls have a personality of their own. Uh, when I stopped riding bulls, that was like right after eighth grade, so then I just started, I just picked up fighting bulls right there. So do you have to grow up really comfortable around animals? Yeah. Do you feel like you understand what's going on in their head? Sometimes. Sometimes not. They have a different mind. Yeah. They, they show one thing or thinking another. Yeah, they're smart. They're smart animals, that's for sure. After Saturday night, the fairgrounds fall silent for another year. The rodeo company, however, bulls and all, move on to their next competition of the season. Cisnero says that he's already excited for the next one. Oh, it's phenomenal. First time fighting with Ed, and man, I can't look forward to the next time we get to do it again. From the San Miguel County Fairground, for KOTO, this is Gavin McGough. Say goodbye to the dirt road that runs below the old Idorado mine out east of Telluride. In the coming weeks, it will be paved, and County Road K69 will become asphalt all the way up to the Bridal Veil Trailhead parking lot. The paving project begins next week, and starting on Monday, May 1st, the section of dirt road running by the mine will be closed, with exceptions for official vehicles and local residents only. The closure will remain in place until the project's completion, The San Miguel County fairgrounds are getting spruced up. 
County Parks and Open Space recently received a $50,000 grant from the Daniels Fund, a private charitable foundation focused on the Four Corners region. Improvements will include lighting and PA system upgrades, and the grant will also fund youth programming and events at the facility. The fairgrounds in Norwood are home to the San Miguel Basin Rodeo and the Basin Fair. Both annual events will take place this year in July. Governor Jared Polis signed two bills into law Thursday that aim to increase safety in schools. One bill will establish the Office of School Safety within the Department of Public Safety. It'll be responsible for preventing, planning for, and responding to emergency situations at schools. The other bill requires the Department of Law to convene a training meeting every year for school resource officers, or SROs. The meeting will cover best practices for SROs in response to findings from the state Safe2Tell program. That's the anonymous tip system used to report school safety concerns. A big pulse of water has been rushing through the Grand Canyon this week. That's after federal authorities sent extra water out of Lake Powell in response to strong forecasts for snowmelt. KUNC's Alex Hager has more. It's called a high-flow experiment designed to help move sand and sediment around in the Grand Canyon. That helps rebuild beaches and sandbars, which provide valuable habitat to local wildlife. Sinjin Eberly with the conservation group American Rivers says it's the first high-flow event since 2018. It certainly is a sigh of relief, and especially because the damage to the canyon over the last couple of years has been pretty dramatic. Lake Powell, the nation's second largest reservoir, should see a substantial boost after a wet winter, but water managers are still scrambling to cut back demand on the reservoir amid decades of drought. I'm Alex Hager. Pollinators play a key role in ecosystems around the world, but are under stress due to a number of factors. One of the nation's leading research centers into pollinators and invertebrates is right here in Colorado. For Rocky Mountain Community Radio, KGNU's Shannon Young took a trip to the Butterfly Pavilion outside of Denver to hear about the work they do locally and internationally. Multiple busloads of school children clamor around display cases of invertebrates at the Butterfly Pavilion in Westminster. The center is the first association of zoos and aquariums accredited standalone nonprofit invertebrate zoo in the world. It's also a major field trip destination for schools across the Front Range. It features invertebrates of many kinds, from tarantulas to horseshoe crabs. But as the name implies, butterflies are a central focus. And most of them live in a large greenhouse-like structure called the conservatory. We're at Butterfly Pavilion in our conservatory where we have butterflies. We have about 2,000 butterflies flying around us of about 150 species. And it's a tropical rainforest, basically, in the heart of um, Westminster, Colorado. And you can come here any day, of the, any day of the year, except for Christmas and Thanksgiving, and immerse yourself in butterflies. They're just flying around. It's a beautiful sunny day, so they're really flying all around us right now. That's Dr. Richard Reading, Vice President of Research and Conservation at the Butterfly Pavilion. In addition to local education efforts, like hosting regular field trips, the Butterfly Pavilion also has programs with international reach. We are global um, and we have several different entrees into butterfly conservation, one of which is we 
buy actually all the butterflies you see flying around here from butterfly farms around the globe. And I think there's 11 that we get them from. And those butterfly farms do a lot of conservation of butterflies where they're located because it's obviously in their best interest to protect the butterflies and their habitat. So they're actually purchasing habitat. They're um, providing a, a sustainable livelihood source for local people. Um, and they sell them to us. So we do that. We're actually building a butterfly farm ourselves in Sumatra, Indonesia. And the money from that's generated from that project will go to support in, uh, Sumatran rhino conservation. So it's a way that we can generate money or profit that goes back into conservation. So that's another way we're helping. And then we're doing conservation work such as we do in Mongolia, where we're actually working with five species of endangered butterflies um, listed by the Mongolian government. And we're trying to understand the population sizes, the population dynamics, the habitat needs. And then if we really want to know if there's any habitat that's been um, unoccupied that we can reintroduce butterflies into so we can increase the population levels of those butterflies. So we do a lot, Butterfly Pavilion does a lot of different projects around the world that help conserve butterflies and other invertebrates. So we work with all kinds of critters in uh, places all over the world. This month, the Butterfly Pavilion hosted a small group of Mongolian scientists working on Parnassus butterfly conservation. As with many other pollinators, the health of these butterflies can indicate the well-being of their ecosystems. Among the invited researchers was Dr. Gantigma Chulunbatar, director of the Invertebrate and Avian Laboratory of the Mongolian Academy of Sciences. Uh, we have uh, six species of the Parnassian genus, and then they, you, you, some of them it's uh, you declining, uh, and then we, are, you, it's very important to do the research survey uh, on those species in order to console them. So why are they declining? I would say your first reason is uh, the harvesting, also the climate change, and then drought, and also the overgrazing, such problem we have. So it's important to provide some context there. So people collect butterflies like they do postage stamps, and they trade them around the world. They send them in the mail to other people. and so particularly people from um, other Asian countries, but not so much in Mongolia, come to Mongolia, over-collect, they collect too many butterflies um, so they can trade them for other butterfly species to get a big collection of butterflies, much like people who collect postage stamps do. So this is a big source of decline. And then the overgrazing, of course, it destroys the habitat of the butterflies. And why does the Butterfly Pavilion, of all the butterflies in all the corners of the globe, why would the Butterfly Pavilion invest in this particular genus of butterfly? Well, partly because they're in trouble and we want to help species that are in trouble. And partly because we have a, the landscape of Mongolia is very similar to the landscape of Colorado. So we have the same kind of grasslands in the east, mountains in the west. Um, we have similar genera. So the, some of the species are really similar to what you have in Mongolia, the ones we have in um, Colorado. So we do have Parnassus butterflies, different species, but closely related to the butterflies that live in Mongolia. So we can bring that expertise that we have about butterflies here and bring it to Mongolia. And they have a lot of expertise that they can share with us as well.
So it's an exchange program. It is an exchange program, and we are very lucky at Butterfly Pavilion to get support from a group called the Trust for Mutual Understanding, and they fund basically exchanges of people to increase basically conservation uh, or cultural aspects of those of those places. And so programs like this where we exchange people back and forth are really helpful in generating a better kind of sp a spirit de corps between Mongolia and the U.S. and um, actually help us do a better job conserving our wildlife as well as hopefully we're doing a better job helping them do a better job conserving their wildlife. And let's bring this full circle back to, to where we're standing right now. Kids are everywhere. <laughs> we're inside of this, this pavilion, inside of the butterfly room. What's the importance of not just these high-level educational exchanges, but also bringing in children to become interested in butterflies? We're very interested in children and education of children. In fact, Gantigma and Byram are right now working on a children's book with our education people for uh, basically focused on Parnassian conservation in Mongolia. There's a similar book that exists. It's an interactive book where there's video and, and pictures and students can use it online. And it, it exists for students in the United States. We want to bring that same book and adapt it to the Mongolian culture and Mongolian context and then have that available to kids there. So at Butterfly Pavilion, we're all about education. Everything we do has an education component and everything from PhD students all the way down to kindergartners, we want to reach in terms of why butterflies are important and what we, should, what we can do to conserve them. That was Dr. Richard Reeding, Vice President of Research and Conservation at the Butterfly Pavilion in Westminster. We were speaking inside of the center's conservatory where hundreds of butterflies fly freely around a warm and humid plant-filled indoor habitat designed to replicate a tropical rainforest. That was KGNU's Shannon Young reporting for Rocky Mountain Community Radio. The National Weather Service forecast for the western San Juans calls for clear skies tonight with a low near 25 degrees and a sunny day on Saturday with a high near 60. Saturday night should remain clear with a low near 35, and Sunday calls for sunny skies with a high around 60 degrees. Sunday night calls for clear skies and a low near 35. This has been the news for Friday, April 28th. Thanks for listening. If you have a story idea or a news tip, call the news team at 970-728-3206. And now, a personal commentary. Hello, this is Harley Brook Hitching, a citizen of OFA, and I'd like to speak to you about the millivery request from the Fire, Telluride Fire Protection District, ballot question number 6A that's coming up next week. Um, the Fire District also includes the EMTs, and I think everyone will agree with me they do an excellent service. I'm a conservative and usually not interested in adding to our taxes, but I've heard the um, from what the from the fire district and what they need to accomplish, which was a surprise to me. Um, I hadn't focused on the fact that they've been run by volunteers, and in sort of the new economics of Telluride, the the volunteers who want to be here have to spend their time, usually two jobs, two and a half jobs 
to pay their rent and don't have time to volunteer. So they're asking for to be able to pay the fire district and the EMTs, which I think is not unreasonable. I'm certainly going to vote in favor of it, and I ask that you consider that as well and vote in favor of ballot question 6A, an increase for the Telluride Fire Protection District, which includes our EMTs. Thank you very much. Opinions broadcast over KOTO are those of the speakers. You are also invited to express your views after the news or on access each weekday at around 4 p.m. If you'd like to comment, please contact a staff person here at KOTO. We encourage you to speak out on important public issues.